Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management archaeology and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 243 for July 13th, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, we talk about people in their first field season and what you should be thinking about to be successful. So put that brand new field pack to good use and get some work because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the show, everyone. Joining me today is Doug in Scotland. Hey, everyone. And Heather, I'm on a boat in California. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> so, so it is summertime. It is July. We're actually recording on a holiday weekend here. Tomorrow is Independence Day as we're recording this. And so not only are, you know, people enjoying holiday festivities, it's, it's I mean, it's kind of like by the calendar, sort of the, the middle of summer, but or, or I guess by feeling it's sort of the middle of summer for a lot of places. But obviously, seasonally, it's really still at the beginning of summer. But that being said, there's a lot of people into work and doing things. And, and along those lines, both Andrew and Bill are out on, you know, field projects. So that's why they're not here. But everybody's doing stuff. And that's what we want to talk about. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, we called it What's Your Exit Strategy? Episode 242. Go listen to that because Doug, who's on the show today, of course, and Andrew recorded that one. And it really was talking about what is your end goal in CRM? And kind of building off of that, I, I had an interview planned for today and it, it kind of fell through, but we'll try to get one back. If you're interested and this is your first, you're doing your first project as you're listening to this or you, this is your first field season, Hit me up, Chris, at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com, and I want to bring you onto the show if you're willing and and have the panelists talk to you about, you know, basically what we're going to talk about today, but from your perspective. So if you're interested in that, again, uh, send me an email. But anyway, we want to talk about what you should be thinking about right now, what you should be planning. You're excited that you're an archaeologist. You're finally getting paid to do this. It's kind of a dream job for a lot of people. And, and you're, you know, you're really in that excitement phase and everything is new. And that is fantastic. It's, it's tough when you kind of lose that sometimes. But the nice thing about CRM is you lose it a little bit. It comes back. You lose a little bit. It comes back. <laughs> it just kind of depends on the project and the, and the season and the month and how many snakes there are. There's a lot of things that you, you really probably aren't thinking about right now because you're in that early phase. And we want to talk about what you what you ought to be thinking about. So what are your guys's first first impressions when I when I mentioned this, thinking back to the starts of of your careers? Wow. Well, I you know, I, I have quite a few thoughts on this, but I thought I would start off like very like something I think you should do in the very, very beginning. And it's it's a very simple step. But for me, the advice was given to me in the very beginning of my career, and I'm so glad that I took it. And that is having your own yearly personal field book. Yeah. 
So you may be required to have a field book for, for work, to be you know logging in field notes. And I know it's extra, and sometimes it seems there's a lot of repeat that you'll be logging, but for your own personal benefit, a field logbook is is great. And not only like we we've relied on, in fact, just recently we relied on it when something happened with our digital (laughs) forms and we were able, not all of them, but a couple of them. And one of the field notes, a personal field notes that somebody had taken, we were able to recreate the field form. So not only that though, you know, you log everything, all the kind of information, the weather for the day, it's amazing how much you'll forget and how much just a, a little bit of detail will trigger a memory if you're trying to recreate something. Another thing is, is it's a really good professional information builder. Mm-hmm. Everything that you learn in the field, but then also that you want to learn. So make maybe yeah. in the back of the book, you have a list of things that I want to do this. I heard somebody told me this would be a really good skill set. And you just you forget those things. Like it sounds like a really good idea. And then you get in the car and the way back from, you know, a 10 day rotation and you can't remember what the person said, but you know, it's important. So writing those things down, also contacts and staying in contact with people. It's a small world. You never know how your experience with somebody can help you down the road long, long term. So I really think that having a personal field book, plus it's super cool when you're going to be in your rocking chair <laughs> at 70, <laughs> looking at your old notes. Your family will love it. Your kids will love it if you have them. So I highly recommend that. Awesome. That's really good. Doug, what about you? What what pops into your mind going back to those early days in CRM? I'd say probably you're if, okay. So we're assuming people are maybe a month or two in or first, just about to, start their, yeah. about to start their first job. Yeah friends graduation stuff i remember i I mean i'd gotten a a position working with the forest service but it was at their um storage facility so i didn't actually do my first like out in the field until i think august after i graduated maybe Mm -hmm. end of august maybe beginning of september something like that so you know some people might just be starting i think part of it in that first season is trying out a lot of different things if you can. And that'll depend on who you're employed with and the type of project you're on. Some can be, you know, quite uh, flexible and you could end up being able to, to, well, I mean, back when I started, you know, it was total stations. Now most people are using GPS and stuff like that, but you know, some still use total stations and all that sort of thing. And, you know, trying out a bunch of different skills and basically seeing if you actually like archaeology <laughs> as it's practiced, I, I think that would be like the number one thing people should be looking to do is trying out a bunch of different things to see if they like it and what they like about it. Like, you know, everyone sort of has their favorite task or favorite, I don't know, thing to do in archaeology or, or maybe things. It might be multiple things. Yeah. But I think, yeah, one of the most important part is actually like – do you like doing archaeology and what do you like about it? And that's, that's something it'll probably take you a couple of years to figure out, but I'd say get started on that as soon as possible. If you find something you really like, that's great, but also try other things, see what else is out there. Um, And again, this will be really dependent on who you're working for. Like some organizations basically have one person do photography. So it stays uh, consistent, Others mm-hmm. don't, so um, sometimes you might be able to get a chance to do that uh, for everything, or maybe you don't because they already have a photographer. You know, there's 
there's different ways. It's really hard to give generic advice other than just try as much as you yeah. can um, where you can. Yeah. I, I would say too, just a real quick one on that before I get into my first experiences here. Get get into something, yes, but then be very conscious of getting back out of that, right? And trying something else because companies really like it, especially if you're doing a good job, right? But companies really like it when when crews just stay consistent. And I have known people in CRM that just end up becoming the photographer, right? And, and maybe that is your bag. Maybe that is exactly what you want to do. And that is, there's literally nothing wrong with that. But if you want to branch out, if you want to do other things, then you're going to have to make that happen for yourself. You know, very few crew chiefs or project directors or whatever are going to be proactive. And it's just the way this, this industry is, but very few of them, I feel like are going to be proactive and say, Hey, I noticed you haven't done this yet. Do you want experience doing this? You're going to have to speak up for yourself and say, listen, I've done this for a little while now. I'd like to try this now. And, and if they don't let you do it, don't be disheartened by that because my next bit of advice that I was thinking about when I first thought about this was what's your next job? It's great. It's great. This is the honeymoon, right? You, you've got your first job or maybe even your second job, but like, what's the next job? And, you know, we're, we're making an assumption that some of the people listening to this, again, it's summertime in the United States. And depending on where you're at, you might be doing field work right now. And I start my first CRM project was in October, right? And in, in North Dakota, and my first CRM project was shut down by snow for the winter. <laughs> so I'm like, great, now what? And and I wasn't really thinking about my next job while I was in that project. I was surprised I even got that job, to be honest, because I kind of, longtime listeners know my story. I'm not going to go through it again. But, you know, I kind of fell into that job a little bit because it was, it was nearby. I didn't really know about CRM. And then I started having to look for another job. And I, I actually waited until that job was over because it ended kind of as a surprise. We thought it was going to snow much later. There wasn't anything in the forecast. And all of a sudden, boom, we get a blizzard and it was already cold and the snow wasn't going anywhere till like March. So the project was shut down. You know, we ended on a Friday. It snowed on Saturday. That was it. Go home. So, but I got online and I started looking, applying to shovel bums, talking to some of the people I was uh, on that project with, and they had already been looking at some other projects that were either long-term or kicking off that were going over the winter because I had no skills or longevity with a company or anything like that to get any sort of secure winter position. So I, I really needed to find more work and I needed to go south to find it. And I went about as far south as you can and ended up with a project in Miami where I met my future wife and a lot of other good friends. Uh, she's waving right now. You can't see her. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. A, a lot of other good friends. Uh, that very first project, my my very first dig partner was actually a best man or, or a groomsman at our wedding. And, you know, just a lot of, lot of good people on those first couple of projects. And, but it, the point is, I think what I'm trying to make here is if you're in your first or second project or even your third project, whatever it is, if it's your first field season, you need to always be looking for the next project, right? Because that company's not necessarily, despite what they may be telling you, they, of course, think they have projects that are continuous leading throughout, but that doesn't mean you're on all of them, right? Especially if you're green, right? So the green. next project they get might be four people they need rather than six people or something like that. And and you're the new guy or girl. So you're out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so always be looking for the next thing and don't feel bad about jumping ship like that. Don't try not to jump in the middle of a project, but you got to look out for yourself before you're looking out for the company. And that's just how it is. Go ahead, Heather. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would see, you know, this kind of just dovetails right into I, a couple points that I had. Number one is the fallacy of, com of company loyalty and CRM. Yeah. 
And, you know, I've run into this a lot when hiring as needed employees, and I encourage them in the interview. I do probably as in-depth first interview with an as needed as I do with a full-time person. Sure. And because to me, you know, as needed staff are just the the center, um, the working horse of our of our business, right? And but you have to be careful; yeah. they do still represent the company. So I think that people don't realize they they're shocked when I tell them go on other companies' list, get on as many as you can, so that you can start realizing which companies are the ones you want to stay with. It's okay for you to kind of sit back and, you know, if, you, if you're not crazy about a company, just kind of take them off your list of companies mm-hmm. you want to work for. But, you know, try out different companies because that also gives you an opportunity to figure out, okay, which one do I really, would I want to have a full-time job with? And as needed employee, although I know, you know, the stability is, is not all there, but it is an opportunity to use it for your own betterment and figure out what full-time, what companies do you think you're kind of trying them them out. Uh, what yeah. companies would be good for you to work at full time? So, you know, the idea that you have to be loyal to a CRM company, if a CRM company gives you a hard time because they contact you and you're already on a, you've already been scheduled for another job with another company, um, that's a really good sign you don't want to work for them anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I mean, if they don't have that understanding uh, and they, they get sore about you having work, I mean, it just means that you're valuable. It means that you're, you're in demand. So yeah, definitely get as many company lists as you can. And not only that, but if the, if the company, and usually when we say the company, it's not always a person in your level, right? It's, it's often just like a, like a, like a lower level project manager or even like a field director or something like that, that you have to tell because they're the next person in your, in your line. And you're like, Hey, I've got to, I've got to jump to this other thing. Or, you know, I can't stick around with you guys on the next project. I've got a, another project I've got to go to. If they get sore over that, and, and they can't immediately replace you, then it's probably not a great company people want to work for anyway. Any good yes. company, it should have people just knocking down their door, especially in this time frame when there's more people than jobs. <laughs> well, yeah. there's less people than jobs. So everybody that's out there wants to get hired. So right. yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. And, and the other thing um, along that line is to remember that companies are as leery as employees. So yeah. Be careful and protective of your own personal reputation or brand, um, however you want to look at it, because, you know, people come in. I see people that, you know, they're jaded and they're basically like, you know what, they're, they get you ever been like in a relationship where you go on a date with somebody and the person's really been burned by the last person they <laughs> dated or they've been burned too many times on on dates and yeah. they come in really aggressive, really and really almost like. I don't, jaded is yeah. a good word for yeah. it. And when we have people that were, you know, that I interview and they come in, they're already like, okay, listen, you're not going to screw me over, <laughs> you know, and this is how you're not going to screw me over. Just, you know, companies are just as leery because they're nervous. They don't know who's going to come in yeah. and kind of, you know, upset the apple cart and not be a good worker. And, you know, so everybody needs to, you know, yes, you should be protective of yourself, but you also have to be protective of your reputation because that first impressions are really important. And so just how you handle yourself, you don't have to come on aggressive. Like if somebody's somebody's not handling things properly, deal with it then. Don't assume though that people are trying to screw you. So mm-hmm. I would say just, you know, being really careful, 
always being professional, never build, uh, burn a bridge. Even if you're not mean to burn a bridge, a bad attitude will very quickly burn a bridge. And people, it's a small world. Again, people move from company to company. So just because you think you maybe you just burnt the bridge with that company, well, maybe that supervisor now moves to another company. And now you right. burn a bridge with them too, even though you never dealt with them yet. So just be, be careful and, and, you know, take people at face value, give people a benefit of doubt. Yeah. And when they tell, when they, until they start proving you otherwise. Well, and you hit the nail on the head too. People move around in this business quite a bit. So, you know, have conversations with the people that you're working with and for, uh, I mean, you're not trying to dig up too much dirt, but, you know, try to find out, you know, ask them just from a, from an interested standpoint, oh, how long have you been with this company? That kind of thing. If, if you're working with a, a crew chief or a project director or somebody that you're directly working with that you're not having a great relationship with, maybe ask them how long they've been at the company. And if they say, Oh, I've been here for 10 years. Well, they're probably not going anywhere. Right. They're, that's probably right. unlikely that they are going to move on to somewhere. But if they've like, Oh, I've been, I've been here for six months or I, you know, I just started this season and this is my first, you know, project manager job with them or something like that. Then you cannot write the company off as far as you're concerned, because there are some companies you might just not want to work for because they've got people that are never going anywhere. And those are the people you yes. clashed with. Not everybody gets along with everybody else. So Right. You know, if if the person you're clashing with is is also short term, then, you know, chances are give the company another shot at some point in the future and and see if it'll work out. Don't burn that bridge entirely, like you said. So, hey, let's uh, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about. I want to jump a little bit to the end of the season because you need to be thinking of that now. And then we'll come back to the beginning of the season. So we'll do that on the other side of the break. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to episode 243 of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. And we are talking about really the start of your CRM career, hopefully. Hopefully it's a long and prosperous career, but, you know, things change. So I want to talk about along those lines something that I'm really passionate about. And it's something that I don't think people think about enough. And really, it's looking ahead to the end of your field season, because what's one of the main things that people complain about in CRM? It's not having enough money, right? And, and part of the problem with shovel bombs or, or as needed employees is sometimes, you know, the projects are not very lucrative, right? Sometimes you're just paying the bills of the project and maybe you're not able to to put that much aside because you're, you're on this project, the per diem, maybe the, the extra cash you're getting from per diem is not that much because the company is, you know, straight covering the hotel and it's not that much food per diem or just enough. And then maybe your, your paycheck. I mean, there's a lot of projects that are like that, right? So you, you can't just put away and suck away money. There are those banker projects where you can just 
sock away some money, right? But they don't come around too often, and they usually have the word pipeline in the title, so just look out for that. But anyway, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> something people don't think about enough, which is how am I going to survive the winter, right? Because either you're going to be somewhere working that doesn't actually have a winter, they have work that goes throughout, but then everybody wants to be there. And then also... You know, even in those areas, you've got to look because sometimes construction just slows down in the winter, even if that area doesn't really have a winter, right? And maybe it just gets cold or it's something or for whatever reason, the construction seems to slow down over the winter months. Now, if you're in like Florida or something or even Southern California, I doubt anything slows down then. But those guys all have supply chains and sometimes their supply chains are in places that slow down for the winter, which means they slow down for the winter. So you got to keep that in mind. So what are you doing to prepare for that time. And it's kind of meta, kind of a metaphor for, you know, for the end of your career as well. So the one thing to remember, and, you know, we talk about this a lot, and I see this on social media a lot, where people think that companies are getting, I don't know, that like they're getting tighter with their budgets, which, you know, of course, companies are doing that, right? But one thing, just from my perspective, I'd like people to know is that more and more now, these larger companies, especially on on-call as needed contracts with municipal um, municipalities or different kind of agencies, they are now mm-hmm. requiring that everything is by receipt. There's no more. And it, it's a good sure. indicator because I think more and more people are going to start going that way, especially when you have the larger contracts and people, a, a lot more work's being done by larger contracts. And you have people that before money was free and flowing. And in this market right now, people are going to be penny pinching on all sides. They're going to be doing everything they can to reduce the outgoing, right? So just remember the days of, you know, just having, I wish I could, every chance I get, I do do that because I want to give people the opportunity to have a straight per diem. And if they want to camp, they can camp and bank the money. I try to do that, but there's a lot of times where I can't, our contracts require us to hand in receipts. So just, you know, that is something to remember. I think those days are going to start going away a little bit. I think it's going Mm -hmm. to be fewer and fewer jobs that you're going to be able to do that. So being able to bank like that, people need to maybe look, relook at that strategy. <laughs> I know that's not what you were saying yeah. people do, but I, th- I know there's a lot of people that did that. I mean, they were very, very good at, you know, living very, very small when they're in the field and then being able to bank so that they could take some good time off. And there, I think new strategies need to be looked at because that that's not going to be as common anymore. Yeah. No, I've talked about this on the show before. Uh, That kind of a project put me through grad school, right? Now, I was in an accelerated one-year program because it was three long semesters at the University of Georgia. So I only had like a year to do this. But because it was such an intense course load for that, there was no time for work, right? I mean, there's literally no time for work. I had 18 credits a semester for three semesters, you know, fall, spring, and a summer semester that was just packed in. And I was the, I was one of two people in my cohort of only five that actually graduated on time. That's how, that's how hard it was to actually fit all that into three semesters. And it's probably why the program's not around anymore. I don't know if that's the reason or not, but either way, The project we had before that, now it helps that I had somebody with me at the time. My wife was my girlfriend at the time, and we had this project where it was 110 a day cash. And again, it was a pipeline, and they were just authorizing unlimited overtime. So the company basically said, if you want to work every day and not take a day off, that's fine. If you want to take a day off, you can tell us literally that morning you don't want to work because we want your sanity to be there. But if you want to work every day, it's open for you to do so. 
And on top of that, we were camping at a hotel in a town, a hotel that had like RV spots that they let us camp at one of them for $7 a day total. Uh, (laughs) So we're making, so we're making two twenty in per diem and it was costing us $7 a day for camping. And then food was pretty cheap because we were, you know, there was literally nowhere to eat out there. So we were just cooking all our food and it was, yeah. And OT and it was, it was amazing. We put like, you know, 20 grand in the bank in a couple months, in a few months. And that's what I lived on. My wife came back out here when I was in school for part of the season and continued to work. And, and, and I basically didn't have to work for that year for grad school. Now, again, those projects don't come around that often, but as Heather was saying, you really don't just look when you're looking at a project. Don't a lot of people focus on, oh, okay, I can get to this one easy because it's near me or it's in an area that I want to be. Those are definitely factors in consideration depending on your lifestyle and, and whether or not you have a family, stuff like that. They're definitely things you need to think about. But every once in a while, you got to just kind of take one of those projects that might be a little further away. But like Heather said, it's a camping project. You don't mind that they're giving you good per diem that you can just sock away and, and you can be frugal for a little while. And it's long enough that you can do that. Don't drive a thousand miles for a two week project, right? But drive a thousand miles for a, for a one month project or a six week project that's, you know, giving you, you know, over 90, hundred bucks a day or more. And you can camp on BLM land or something like that with other people and, you know, have that security. So, you know, look for those every once in a while. If they're, if they're not totally comfortable for you, you don't have to do them all the time, but like they're really good for your bank account, Doug. Yeah. Well, I was slightly to switch back to what we were discussing a bit earlier in terms of like, you know, well, talking about finances and jobs and whatnot is something that, you know, if it's your first season, you may not have considered this and, other people have done this in the past for, for decades is winter jobs in that yeah. like, you know, it depends where you're at. So as we've discussed, like California, Florida, those are sort of most, well, it depends where California is quite long. <laughs> yeah. You know, as you head north and into the mountains, it gets a bit snowy, but yeah, you know, there, there's places where basically you can work all year round. And then there's places where, you know, it shuts down in the winter. And if yeah. if you, if they don't have work for you and say the lab or anything like that. And usually, I mean, if you're, if this is your first job, first in, first out tends to be how a lot of organizations work. And there's, you know, there's, there's various reasons for that. One is a legal thing. It's, it's, it's much easier to fight lawsuits when you have something that's relatively fair ish in that term legally. So they tend (laughs) to let you go. And so, you know, it's, it's the people who've been with the company longest will be able to stay on. So what a lot of people do, it's the bumming, but, the, you know, they do shovel bumming during the uh, the summer and then ski bums during the uh, winter. And basically, you know, workers like uh, on, you know, yeah. various ski, snowboarding <laughs> or other winter sports-ish sort of sites that also have seasonal workers. Where essentially, yeah. you know, there's the, the I'm going to call it skiing, just because that's how it's always been known. It's the ski season. But now it's probably, I think, majority of people are probably snowboarders. But yeah, you know, those, it's it's another sort of seasonal job that works really well for archaeology mm-hmm. because you can basically go from season to season. And of course, you know, if you're not into any of those sort of winter sports, there can be other sort of seasonal jobs uh, especially when you you hit like Christmas yeah. time, and Walmart, Amazon, Target, everyone is looking to hire people seasonally, 
for the the Christmas season. So well, it's, there's it's, like it's, Uber, DoorDash, stuff like that yeah. too. Yeah. Another option is, you know, being strategic, trying to work for a company that's large. So we bring in when we get so like we can't even fill our spots. We'll fly people right. in from the East Coast to come and help us. People that we've had, like we started just in the last few years, we've really started increasing our footprint across the, the United States. And so we have met some great archaeologists back east and in the Midwest mm-hmm. that we've used. And we have no problem. Well, no, that won't, doesn't mean you're always going to get fl- flown in. But if you can prove yourself with the company that is across the country and then you let them know, listen, if you got something somewhere else, I'm willing to travel. It would be very helpful if, if the travel is paid for. And these days it's really minimal. Think about it. you put somebody on a plane for a few hundred dollars. You're yeah. still going to have to put them up at a hotel and everything else anyway. So it's not that big of a deal for a couple extra hundred dollars to fly somebody in if they're a good, yeah. if they're good, you know, so Getting with companies, getting in good with companies and showing your prowess with companies that have a large footprint across the United States is a big, big help, especially if you're in the Midwest and the East Coast and you're looking for work during the winter. Right. And that, that goes to one of the notes I put down, too, which was basically just become an asset. Right. And yeah. and you can become an asset in a number of ways. If you're thinking, well, I'm green, I don't know anything. How do I become an asset? Well, you can just become an asset by not being an asshole. Right. Yes. Like, <laughs> like that's yes. just... If, yes. you're, if you're somebody that, that people like working around, you're a hard worker, you, you don't complain, but you're also not getting walked on all the time. Not complaining doesn't mean that you're just taking everything that comes to you. It means that, right. you know, you're, you're, you're a critical thinker. You're sitting there, you're, you're coming up with solutions, but ultimately you're not the one in charge and you have to go with what's, what's given to you from on high, you know, even if that's just the crew chief, but also, you know, feel free to voice your opinions. I think if you're at a company where you can't voice your opinions, then you don't want to be at that company, but but don't do it in a way that burns the bridge. Right. I mean, you know, you can tell right away when people are just constantly trying to reinvent the wheel <laughs> to make yeah. themselves uh, stand out. And so, you know, there should be plenty of times that you're doing something and something comes up and you're like, you know what? I want, you know, I wonder if they'd want to hear this that I, I've experienced before or I kind of came up with this idea to do this. But don't always be looking for an opportunity to reinvent the wheel, because remember, Mm -hmm. what you're doing is you are criticizing the ways the way they do it. So you better have a really good (laughs) way to introduce what it is that you're, you know, that that, that you think is a better idea. And also make sure it's it's a better idea, not just something that you're coming up with. So you can say you have an idea, you know, that's pretty transparent, pretty quick. And that's another form in it of an a-hole. So just, yeah. you know, do your work, do it well, be fun to be around. You know, I've mm-hmm. hired people that have less experience, but they're so trainable and they'll yeah. catch on quick. I can catch them up to a guy, to a person that has a lot of experience that is, a, you know, pretty good in lots of different areas. I can catch them up in six to nine months where you are, but I can't take the jerk out of you. Okay, so I think rather train somebody for six to nine months to bring them up to speed than to deal with somebody whose attitude is likely not going to change. 
Right. Yeah. Go ahead, Doug. They call it well. Okay, so the most recent is like the Zuckerberg effect. <laughs> before it was, uh, which we call it from Apple, but basically, like uh, you know, in coding circles, people got this idea that to be a CEO, you need to act like a CEO or something like that, or act. Mm -hmm. And they looked at, at people like Steve Jobs, who was a notorious asshole, yeah, uh, and people like Mark Zuckerberg or Bezos. And then they imitate that and like, or I've heard someone refer to it as like the Sherlock effect, like the Cumberbatch mm -hmm. version of Sherlock, where like smart people need to feel like they, to be smart, you need to be an asshole. Like, yeah. it's, just, it's just insecurity. Insecure. Yeah. Well, yeah. But like in terms of stuff like, yeah, I, I'm with Heather. Like anytime I would, I would take someone who, um, on paper with look like less experience or, you know, maybe they don't have that degree or whatever, but man, if they're nice and they, they're willing to learn instantly take that over someone who yes. is like, who is good. Like you might have all the skills in the world, you might be super smart, but like, if you're an asshole to work with, mm -hmm. like it, it's team management and, you know, people like that just destroy teams. Yep. Like, yeah. you know, we, if you've, you're, not, you know, you're in your first season, so you're not going to know this, but if, if you go on and you eventually work in, in management, which is a completely different skill set, you're going to look at how people work together as a team, not necessarily individuals. Um, and that, that yeah. can be sometimes very hard to stomach when like you find out someone else has less experience, got a job than you did. But sometimes it's more about moving together, I guess, to use an analogy, chess pieces on the board. Like you're trying to fit together a puzzle of a team. Um, yes. And it may be that that person has less less years of experience, but they have something else that makes them stand out. And that could be something as simple as like they have a driver's license. You need people to drive. You know, or, or you have somebody who literally I've already filled my certain slots at the higher pay rate. Yeah. I don't need somebody with the, as much experience as you had. We've talked about this before. Sometimes it's just a matter of we already got somebody to fill your level. And so now we just need people with less experience that we can, you know, that our budget can handle at a lower pay, pay rate. So it's nothing personal. It's exactly what Doug said. It's a chess. It's it, scheduling is so difficult, especially for larger projects. Yeah. Yeah. And that can also happen as well when, like, if you're looking for your, you know, we're talking about getting your next job. Sometimes, yeah. like, it's also trying to schedule people. And, like, let's say you can't start for two weeks. They may have to go with someone else. Yeah. Uh, and so that's – sometimes it is it's, – it's worth having conversations with both potential employers, like, who you're working with now and who, who you're working with in the future to ask, be like, hey, guys, is it okay if I leave two weeks early? Because then I can go take this other job, and you know, it's it's going to depend on the project. But sometimes companies can do with losing people. Actually, sometimes it's actually helpful. Like you might yeah. be slightly overstaffed. Agreed. It's it's good to have communications, good clear communication with whoever's employing you. And again, what we've talked about, if they get if someone gets really uppity and angry and threatens to like blackball you for, from archeology span for going to a different job, well, you know, not to work for them in the future or ever again, or, you know, yeah. it, it's a yeah. good sign. But like 
we've all been there. We all know that like, yeah, sometimes you're going to lose staff mid project because there's a better offer and that's, that's something you deal with. It sucks uh, when you're trying to manage and keep a project going, but it's how, it's how life goes. Indeed. And with that, we'll take a break and wrap up this discussion on the other side. Back in a minute. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Sierra Mark Podcast, episode 243. And we are talking about you know, what you should do for your first season and what both Doug and Heather were talking about in the last part of the last segment. I'll tell you what, I think any crew that gets along and enjoys their own company will get a lot more done regardless of their experience level than a crew that does not. Or even if that crew has like one person that's just bringing the crew down, right? For whatever reason that is, they're bringing them down. And I have said this on the show before, my first few years in CRM, and maybe even now, I don't know, people just don't want to tell me, but my first few years in CRM, I was probably really hard to work with because this is just my personality. I've always been that type of person that tries to look for different ways to do something. And and I didn't always get that information. That's really. why you're laughing when I said what I said. <laughs> no, but I'm not, I've, I never... And again, I, it's been a lifelong struggle to present this information in a way that is not offensive and condescending because yeah. it's, it's just a really hard thing to do, right? And I, when I did my I did my field school in Africa, and, and there was a, a volunteer on that crew that he was actually just he just paid to be there, right? He just wanted to come out and do this thing in Africa, and so he paid to be there. And it was his job. He was an efficiency expert for massive enterprise companies, and he would actually analyze these companies without them knowing it. And he would he would walk, he would spend like six months drawing up this really detailed profile using publicly available information about a company. And then he would walk in the front door and say, "I can save you guys ten million dollars a year if you listen to me for the next you know five hours." And I want you to pay me, you know, X percentage of that. And he did about two of these a year, and that's how he funded his life. And he was just like a massive high-end efficiency expert when it comes to stuff like that. And I was like, it really resonated with me. Not that I had that any sort of skill set, but I've always kind of thought that way, looking at a process and saying, how can we dial this in a little bit better, right? But again, I didn't always present it very well. And especially when you don't have the experience or credentials to back that up, you just look like an asshole. <laughs> yes. So, and you know, that's why I brought it up because I'm the same as you. I learned yeah. over time that you know, even though you have a good idea, there's a reason why maybe they, there may be a reason why they didn't, yeah. they're not doing it the way you think. And you need to give it some time to season in your brain so that you right. can figure out is, does this make sense for me to mention? 
So don't yeah. like impulsively answer because I'm the same way. There was when I was younger, I did. I, I always was like, oh, what about this? What about that? And now I realize how irritating that is. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I, you know, for people and I know for me, for some people that aren't like that, that aren't like you, Chris or me, maybe Doug's that way, too. They don't get that. They think you're just being a know-it-all, you know? Yeah. But for people like us, we're like, you know what? I get you. I understand what you're doing there. Okay. But here's a clue. Don't do that. Because <laughs> yeah. it's really, it's irritating. And the person that may not be like that and may not have compassion for you and <laughs> your immaturity for the time being uh, may have all the control in the world whether or not you're going to get work. Yeah. And, and I think archaeologists tend to be that way in some mm-hmm. ways. I just see, I think the personality, there's a lot of people like that. And so mm-hmm. you get under people's skin real easy. So I, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to defend you guys a little bit. Uh, like <laughs> the, the Chris's and Heather's of the world. Um, and, and just also say like, um, and I think this comes back to, we, we've, we've been mentioning this in different forms, but a lot of it is we, we've sort of mentioned like, you know, find a company you want to work for, but also like, companies are not like there's different types and there's different sizes and that makes a huge difference like working for a small company you're going to get chances to do a lot more varied positions just because like they they won't have like a dedicated gis person they may have like someone who does that sometimes and then it's out in the field and so there's there's different things and it's, it's exploring that but also part of it is exploring the people at the organization and the sort of culture of the organization and mm-hmm. this is i'm coming back to you guys and defending you guys is you know some organizations i saw someone another day and they, they said something great which is like if you find yourself saying we've tried that no too many times mm-hmm. it means it's time for you to move on yeah. and so like you, you do get this like for for the Chris's and heathers of the world <laughs> you know, sometimes that is also a cultural thing where yeah, you get people. You'll you'll end up at a company where people are they becoming a bit jaded. Like there's there's a there's definitely a place for like lots of experience, and you gotta make sure you're not jaded. And sometimes you end up with people who have been in it for twenty or thirty years, and they've just become jaded. And they'll be like, yeah. "Oh, we tried that back in the '80s," and you're like, yeah. "Or the well, the '90s, I guess is now. <laughs> it's now the '90s." When I was there, they were like, the "Oh, we we tried this back <laughs> in the '80s or whatever." But sometimes that's cultural, like. One is what you guys have talked about, it's like taking people under the wing. So like if you if you are a Heather and Chris and someone's sort of taking you aside and like showing you the ropes of, of how to approach this, that is an excellent person or organization to be working with. But yeah. it can also be like you, you could be finding out quite quickly that there's a lot of jaded people who are just like, nope. Nope. Right. Never. Right. Not, not a, not a nope. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, part of that is figuring out like a place where you want to work. And also yeah. uh, sometimes like, I know we talk at like place culture, but honestly, like a lot of culture is just individuals. Yeah. Um, like a, a yeah. workplace and really, uh, yeah, it, it can change. And sometimes it, it is just finding like, you maybe thought like uh, a big organization was not something for you. Like you didn't want to work for one of the big engineering firms where you'd be one of like 20,000 employees or something doing something, <laughs> but you might actually find that like your, your team, your archeology span team is amazing. And that's actually what it is. So 
I think there is differences between the size of organizations, types and stuff, but a lot of it comes down to the individuals and finding individuals that you like to work with. Yeah. Right. That is, right. In the long run, it would make life a lot, you know, more enjoyable. I mean, yeah. work is work, but there's no reason, you know, we're at, right now we're going through a hiring and it, it really, for, from somebody who hires full time, the full time staff, it's as much personality. We've had mm-hmm. multiple, multiple candidates come that were looked really good that were just not, you know, I just did not think they were going to be a good fit. And, um, right. You know, I, I wanted to bring. Yeah, it is. It's I can't like I tell my kids that all the time, and they're both pretty, you know, nice people. Uh, I mean, they are nice people. I just say they are <laughs> for the most part, they're nice people. <laughs> <laughs> they they are. <laughs> Sorry, kids. They're both, you know, going <laughs> into their professional lives now, and a lot of times they think they're they're very self deprecating. Like they're both of them are they're very humble to a fault. And I keep telling them, you guys are good people. You're nice people. You work hard. Don't underestimate the value of that. Like, don't be looking at, oh, this person knows so much more than me and think that you're mm-hmm. less than they are. Uh-uh. Right. That's not that's not how life goes. And trust me, the people that are likable are usually their you know, success catapults a lot quicker than than just the Mr. Smarty Pants. But the one, one thing I, I did want to touch on in this segment is, I know we've talked a lot about companies should pay for your education. If they want you to learn more skills, they should pay for that. And I agree. But as an as needed, which is where most people are in the beginning, unless you're very lucky, you are not at, you're not full time. And people are very unless they're requiring you to do a skill, they're not going to train you. So yeah. and, or they're not going to pay for your training. So it is incumbent on you to find and your own, your responsibility to find ways of continuing education and to inc- increase your skill set. So that sh- it should be your hobby. It should be something that you're doing, not only doing it on the job. If you can get paid to learn to do something, awesome. But have a list of things that you're continually adding to that you, like I said, in the back of that field bo- book that you were saying, okay, I want to learn how to do this and this. And then pick up on these things that people say are good skills to have and then go out on your own and start doing what you can to learn them if you don't have the opportunity to do it in the field because that's you can't wait until that's going to happen because that's just luck if it does you have to go out and you have to pursue opportunities there's so many online courses now that you can avail yourself uh, yourself up to build your skill set and it is your responsibility to do that if any as needed person were to come in to a a company and say you know what i think you should pay for my education (laughs) it's just not going to happen and Mm -hmm. you can't sit back and say, well, it should be this way. Okay. Well, that's fine. You think when you become the boss, you can change it. Okay. If that does, if your mind doesn't change when you get in that position, but if you want to be better at what you do, you have a responsibility to make yourself better and to educate yep. yourself. Yeah, indeed. So if, if it's new people who are listening to this, I mean, we've, we've brought this up many a times on different episodes, but maybe they, you, you haven't joined us um, in the past, but I think one thing to think about also when thinking about your career is possibility of needing to move. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know this, like if for most people who've been in CRM for a while, it's sort of like, yeah, no duh. But like, it is one of the biggest 
disconnects, at least I find with students over in, in the UK, and, and this is, we, we're talking about CRM here, but this is mostly applicable to pretty much any job you can think of. <laughs> like if, if you, if you've lived in a really yes. rural area, you know that there's not that many jobs yeah. and like you, you know, you need to move and stuff like that. And, and archaeology is a bit harder because there are, it's just not a very big field. Like, yeah. Okay. So, you know, working at, uh, I don't know, like a Seven Eleven or, you know, doing retail, something like that, you have a lot more options for jobs. But even then, you know, certain areas just don't have jobs and you, you have to move. And archaeology is one of those things where like, if you want to move up or you sometimes have to move out and sometimes even just to be able to have a job, you're going to have to probably like move around. Like you might get lucky and maybe you're based out of a city that has multiple companies and you can mm-hmm. spend your whole career jumping between them and do just fine. That does happen, but I'd say that's a, a minority, a very small minority. There's yeah. You're, you're going to have to move on. And so it might be thinking, like when we were talking about you know looking for your next job, it might be you've gotten your first job with like the one company within like 300 <laughs> miles of, yeah. of where you're, at, you're currently at. And so you might be thinking, and it's to get in that mindset that you you might have to move, and that can that can be really tough because it's not the easiest thing to do. Uh, rent is really high, pay can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we talk about low pay, it's it's better than other jobs, worse than many others. Yeah. Um, but yeah. like you know, th- there's financial things there as well. I think part of what you should be doing this first year is actually like having a realistic look to see like, can you stay in the area and can you move? Um, Mm -hmm. And if you can't, you might have a clock on your, on your time. And it might just be something you do in the summers for a couple of summers. And not only that, but like what Heather said, you know, it's, you know, companies like it behooves them to fly somebody good out to work on their project from the East coast. Right. But looking at that same thing, that doesn't mean also that you can't actually look for jobs on the opposite coast from where you're at. If you just tell the company, say, Hey, if I get there, will I have use of a field vehicle or are we going out, you know, something like that. And, and if you happen to be in a big town, maybe you can just use Uber while you're there, but it might be cheaper just to get a plane ticket, fly out to wherever you're going. And then, you know, as long as you've got a way to get around over there, again, there's lots of ways these days, depending on where you're at, but ask the company specifically, say, I'm going to fly in and I'm going to need a little bit of support. Right. So if they're willing to do that, Again, it might be cheaper than, especially in gas prices these days, than driving 1,500 miles in your car, putting the wear and tear on that, and then having to deal with that when you get there too, to just hop on a plane and, and fly over. So, you know, keep that I'd in mind. I'd be really impressed. If somebody did that and right. was taking the wherewithal yeah. to to just make it happen for them, I'd be, yeah. that would impress me. And then any good person, any even if they're not the best, is going to look and say, okay, I okay, this guy's or girl is mm-hmm. really going the extra mile. I got to find something for them, right? Yeah, They'll yeah. just find something and that gives you a leg in. 
Yeah, my uh, my wife did that when I was in grad school. Again, she came back back out to Nevada for the for the uh, continuing field season because she was going to keep working. And she flew into Reno, got on an Amtrak, and took that all the way to Elko, Nevada, where they picked her up from the or maybe it was Winnemucca, where, what city they were in at the time. But either way, she took the Amtrak across Nevada, and then somebody picked her up at the train station, and from that point on, she was fine. She had field vehicles and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean you. You get there no matter how you can. So, but anyway, a couple more things just at the, as we're wrapping this up. So we'll have some final thoughts here, but I did want to say some things that people tend to forget sometimes. Don't forget to update your resume constantly during this period. I, to be honest, yes. once you're a couple of years in, you're not necessarily updating your resume every job, right? Because you're getting work and that's the whole point of your resume to begin with. So if you have no problem getting work, eh, I mean, I say keep it updated, but it's not as critical as it is right now in this phase that you're in right now. And not just the entries in there, but make sure all those little things that you volunteered to do say, hey, you know, not proficient in, you know, using a Trimble for GIS, but have used one at least, you know, that's better than some people who have never used one, right? So that might give you a leg up. But also look at your references. Did you meet anybody on that project or have a good rapport with somebody that is in a leadership position over you, not just another field uh, crew person, do not put them down as your reference. Use a crew chief at the very minimum, but hopefully somebody a little bit higher that you directly work for, because when the employer calls that reference, they want to know, not that you, you know, you're somebody in the office that they never actually met, but that you're somebody that actually observed them working, right? That's a valuable reference. And companies like Heather's with HR departments are making those calls and asking serious questions <laughs> and, and taking that information, you know, and, and using it. So that's important is just to, just to keep that updated. And one last thing that we don't really have time to talk about that I took down as a note is even though this might be your first year, maybe closer to the end of this field season, just through simple attrition, sometimes you might be asked to take a leadership position. It might seem nuts that, hey, you've been working in archaeology for three months and you're being asked to be a crew chief on a crew. Maybe that crew is only two or three people. Who knows? But you might be asked that question, especially if you've got previous life experience doing something in a leadership position and they know that, right? be very cautious about taking that job. You might be tempted by the extra 50 cents an hour, but be very cautious about taking that job because it's a lot of responsibility and it may not be the right time. I'm not saying it's not the right time, but just seriously think about it and don't just look at it as, oh, I need this for my career. You don't right now, right? You, you really don't if this is your first time in. Mm -hmm. But if, if you're not ready for it, you can really screw it up. So I have one comment on that. I think that's very, very sound advice. I'll just say that there are some times where the position that they need fits well with your with your personality or fits well with your skill set, sure. such as it doesn't always require somebody who is a major leader or has a lot of experience. Sometimes the crew chief role, every project's different and, and every field supervisor is different so let's say if you're somebody who shows that you have that you are follow the directions well and that you have respect for the work plan and the research design that's already been given if i know that this person if i give them here's the work plan this is what i need done every day and you're getting direction every day and i know this person better than anyone else is going to follow what i tell them to do Mm -hmm. I'm going to want that person in the field because I trust that the work plan is going to be followed. And sometimes it's just a matter of having the skill set of following a work plan and doing what you're told yeah. to do. And yeah. so 
Um, I would ask the questions. I think absolutely there are times where people are just desperate and they're going to put you in there and you're going to end up, it's going to hurt your confidence and you're going to be put in a position that you're not ready for. But ask the questions, ask them, say, listen, I, I'm really honored. I'm, I'm very flattered that you asked me. I really want to take on you know, more responsibility is absolutely what I'm all about. But I also want to make sure that I'm doing right by the job. I'm doing right by you. Can you tell me more about what the responsibilities are then? Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to ask those questions. That's a fair question. And again, (laughs) we have a theme here today. If somebody has an issue with a reasonable question or a reasonable stance on something, they're probably not somebody you want to continue to work for. So just, you know, ask questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions because maybe you are suited for it. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid to be new. Everybody knows you're new, but yep. you know, don't, don't be memorable in a bad way. You yes. know, be memorable in a good way because all they're going to remember is that you're new and, and you screwed everything up. So, you know, own, own the fact that you're green. Yeah. 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 Don't try to hide that you're green because yeah. it's transparent. Everybody knows. <laughs> don't try We're to, don't there. be that that's like saying I did this and I did that and kind of putting mustard as my family says putting mustard on it saying that you've done all these things that you haven't done because you're going to be found out and and then now you have a reputation you can't get rid of just better be honest yep and when that happens you just end up being host of a podcast so all right No, so this has been a great episode. Uh, I'm glad we had this topic. Thanks for that. We've got a really cool interview coming up next time about really kind of the health and and where the CRM industry is by a couple of people who have, uh, at least one of them has been on the show before. They've put together some research in a paper and it's it's really worth tuning in for. So check that out when it comes around. And again, if you're interested in being on the show and talking about your experiences with your first field season, hit me up, chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com or you can go to arcpodnet.com and my contact information is right at the top of the page. All right. We'll see you guys next time with our interview. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.arcpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Doug's counting down. (laughs) Four, three, (laughs) two, one. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> if only we could include the the chat image with our with our outro. Yeah, right, that was impressive. Yeah. How'd you do that so fast? I know, I know, it's pretty quick. <laughs> I, actually, lots of practice. I mean, this is. I, I usually sometimes just choose a random like four ninety six, four ninety five, <laughs> just, just to mess with Chris. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Just lots of practice. Uh, this has been going on for a All couple right. hundred episodes now. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network.
Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Come.